0: What is up Star Mindset? Welcome back to the podcast. Today we're talking to RT Custer, an entrepreneur who is changing the watch game as we speak. Um, <laughs> um, if you're familiar with uh, pocket watches, they do something really incredible where they turn, you know, historical watches into historical pocket watches into wrist watches. So uh, yeah, if you're interested, definitely check them out at Vortech Watch uh get yourself a new watch for father's day or you know get your father a new watch get your brother something cool something nice all right and yeah you know we just want to say what's up hope you guys are doing great you know uh the year is at the halfway point we're nearing the halfway point we hope you all are achieving your goals we're getting closer to publishing this book and uh yeah stay tuned check out the show As always, if you like the show, leave a review on Apple Podcasts or rate us on Spotify. Also, we are pumping out our newsletter, so uh, go to my LinkedIn, which is in the link description. And uh, yeah, click that link and then click uh, follow to be in our newsletter. Yeah, and that newsletter just gives you them weekly insights that we have when we talk to entrepreneurs about the lessons that they've learned or the insights that they've come across and discovered uh, along their entrepreneurial journey. I'm sure you guys will like it. Thank you, RT Custer, an entrepreneur based in Colorado with a rich history that includes some of the coolest products that I've uh, come across. Um, Vortech Watches are an American-made watch company. This story is incredible. They've started from scratch and now they do seven figures. And he's recently created a mastermind called Fast Foundations. You can find them out at fastfoundations.com. This is for entrepreneurs who. Are uh, under a million dollars in revenue, and they're looking to grow and run their businesses. RT's got a really cool history with his watch company. Anything from you know seeing it on Kevin O'Leary from Shark Tank? Yeah, I'd say it's like reviving an old product and making it relevant again. So that's that's really interesting to learn about. And he's got a great whiskey or uh, great assortment of drinks behind them. So RT, just want to say good morning to you and thank you for being here today.
1: Yeah, thanks, Dan. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here and share the story of Vortic and all the cool stuff I get to do.
0: Yeah, I'd like to start off with just learning a little bit more about yourself. Uh, did you grow up in Colorado or wherever you uh, like? I actually on? grew up
1: um, in Pennsylvania. I grew up about an hour west of Philadelphia in a town called Reading, Pennsylvania. Um, and I grew up on a Christmas tree farm. And my I was the fourth generation farmer on on our farm. Uh, my great grandfather started the christmas tree farm in 1941 and um, that's that's really i think where my entrepreneurial spirit came from the farm was always like the side hustle of the family for all those generations pretty much everyone had a, a full time job or career not a huge amount of money in in christmas trees unless you're like all in and have a ton of acres but it was um it was a really cool upbringing a really awesome experience and, um, as a dad now myself, like I, I struggled to figure out how to instill work, work ethic in my sons, um, in the same way that, that my dad and my grandfather, you know, sat me down and said, okay, if you want something, you got to go out and mow the grass and trim the trees and, you know, um, all that kind of stuff. So yeah, that was, that was my, my life growing up on, on the farm, but, um, a little bit different. <laughs> to the farm.
0: That's awesome, man. Yeah. I think, uh, You know, farmers definitely, they're very, what's that word, very underappreciated, right? Like, -hmm. Food in general, too, is very underappreciated, which is uh, hard to believe just how how society's progressed, but maybe that's just my opinion. So when when you uh, were growing up, did you, you know, see yourself becoming an entrepreneur or did you like want to work for corporations or what was your...
1: Well, I... I think my parents thought I was going to be an architect or an engineer or something like that. I loved Legos; that was like my thing. Um, I always played with Legos all the time. Um, I had a, a pretty good imagination. Um, I loved video games, uh, especially role-playing games. And um, it, when I went to college, I, I went to Penn State um, because Penn State is a great engineering school, and it was also in-state tuition, so it was really <laughs> yeah. That's, to me. that's good. Um, and and you know there was just like so many different types of engineering that I could pick, and um, I I never really sat down and thought about becoming an entrepreneur. Um, it wasn't a conversation that I had with anyone in my family or any of that. It was just you know growing up on a farm and selling Christmas trees uh, every every Christmas. That's very entrepreneurial, and mm-hmm. and so my whole family I think was very entrepreneurial, but they also had corporate jobs, and so it was kind of it was kind of expected that I go to college and I get a good job. Um, In my freshman year of college, I got approached by um, a multi-level marketing company called College Works Painting. And basically, I had the opportunity to run my own exterior house painting business for the summer. I had never held a paintbrush before in my life. I had never painted anything. I would never done that that stuff. But it just sounded like a really cool opportunity to uh, make some money and you know, it was freshman year, so I wasn't going to get an internship with any of the big engineering companies or anything like that. And so I dove in and I ended up being number one in the state, number three in the country. Um, and I I made over $100,000 my freshman year of college running this little painting business over the summer. And I just got hooked on sales and marketing and entrepreneurship in general, you know, working for yourself. You just, there's there's nothing standing between you and success except you. And so um I I just learned that I was nineteen and I got hooked and um long story short, I I I got a couple normal engineering internships. I did the the thing I was expected to do. I got a corporate job with Walmart in logistics, um, which was an awesome job out of college as an engineer. They paid me really well, they put me in Colorado, it's how I got here. Um, and you know, the world's largest retailer has a lot of big problems to solve, especially in logistics. And so that was a fun job, but um, in my junior year of college, I I met my business partner, Tyler, uh, my now business partner, and we had the idea for Vortec Watch Company in college. And um, when we left college, we decided to go all in on on that, and he worked full-time for the watch company. And I was working for about two years for my corporate job until I was just like, you know what? I think it's time to throw in the towel and just be a full-time entrepreneur. And so since about 2016, Tyler and I have been running Vortec Watch Company full-time um, and just building an awesome business and team. And uh, now we have manufacturing company making one of the only watches that's actually made in USA.
0: Wow. Yeah, that's interesting. One thing I wanted to talk about was uh, what kind of sparked the idea to... Do the watch thing right because uh you know people are like so into oh you just need a phone or you, you don't you know you don't um like i guess like it's it's gone more digital right like when when watches are like one of the longest things that have uh, existed do you do you like watches from a style standpoint or like do you just really love telling the time or like what uh
1: yeah no it's a good question we our original idea for watches actually was more along the lines of a wristband um, for watches that fit better. Um, we just like the technology of like, okay, if you're gonna wear something on your wrist, how do we make it more comfortable? That was one of our first ideas, and we went down the rabbit hole of just researching, like, okay, if we're gonna make a watch or a wristband of some kind, um, let's try to make it in USA. Let's 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 try to get that made in USA stamp because this was we had the idea back in 2011. We launched on Kickstarter in 2014, and in that time frame, made in USA was what everyone was talking about. And so, we researched if we could make a watch in America, and we stumbled on the history of these old pocket watch companies. So most people don't know that a hundred years ago, back in the you know mid 1850s to the the early 1900s, there were ten different watch companies in the United States and they made pocket watches back then. And today, pocket watches are just totally useless to most people, um, and they, they end up in pawn shops or estate sales and things like that, and they get scrapped for the gold and silver of the outside case, the, the outside of the pocket watch. But the inside is a really cool mechanical movement or a mechanism that tells time um, from the pocket watch that was 100% made in USA back then. And it's just this really cool piece of American history. And I love history and I love American made. And my business partner Tyler loves watches, especially like vintage watches and that vintage style. And so we put that idea on Kickstarter in November of 2014. And we said, we're going to call it, call our company Vortic, which is different. Mm-hmm. And our product is called the American Artisan Series. And we take old pocket watches and we upcycle them into modern wristwatches. So everything inside the watch is old and everything outside the watch is new. And people just love the idea. People still love the idea. We sell every watch we make. We can't make very many watches. You know, we make hundreds of watches a year, not thousands. Um, But it's a luxury product and it's a piece of American history. And so, yeah, a lot of people wear Apple watches and smart technology on their wrist now. But if you're going to get a nice watch... You want one that tells a story, and our watches tell some of the best stories, at least for you know America and American history.
0: Yeah, well, yeah, I, uh, I yeah, I find it really cool. So, how old would you say like the the watches were, or like you know, are they yeah, a the hundred best, <laughs> Oh,
1: totally, Yeah, the best pocket watches that we use were made in the early 1900s, so they're roughly a hundred years old. Um, the one I have on my wrist, this is called our military edition. Oh, cool. This pocket watch in here was flown on the B17s and B29 the the bomber aircrafts in World War II. So oh, wow. this one was made in 1941. Um that's like the the youngest pocket watch <laughs> that we make is is from like the 1940s did, uh, you, from
0: from World War II. RT, do you think like you had to I know like there was a legal battle right but like did you have to like patent something to to take that I guess existing I would say, pro- yeah, like, I guess like existing watch, right, and like brand it under your, under your own umbrella, or like how well, do that? Yeah,
1: it's a good question. So we, from an intellectual property standpoint, um, what we do is considered upcycling. So we are recycling these old pocket watches and taking them up market, or you know, taking them from worth almost nothing to worth now thousands of dollars. And um, we're refurbishing the internals of, of these pocket watches. And so we keep the, the dial or the face of the watch. And so a lot of them say Hamilton, Ball, Elgin, Waltham. Those were the names of the great American watch companies 100 years ago. None of those companies exist anymore. But some of those trademarks, specifically the trademark on the word Hamilton, you, you might be familiar with the Hamilton watch company. They're owned by the Swatch Group, big, mm-hmm. big Swiss conglomerate. Hamilton watch company had a trademark on the word Hamilton and we're taking Hamilton pocket watches made a hundred years ago and turning them into modern wristwatches. And so we actually got sued in 2015 by this watch group, which at the time we thought was a mistake because we're just a couple of kids trying to start a business, but um, ended up being a six year long federal lawsuit that almost went to the Supreme court. Oh, and uh, yeah. your, your question is valid, which is, you know, is it okay to take something 100 years old that has somebody else's brand on it and turn it into something new? And that was kind of a gray area in the law until Vortec Watch Company came around and and we made a whole brand around around doing this. And now that we've won that lawsuit, we, we officially won the lawsuit in 2021. Um, now that we've won that lawsuit, we've now set precedent and anyone can take anything with somebody else's brand on it. As long as you properly describe what it is.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Trademark infringement without getting too in the weeds, it's all about consumer confusion. So you as the consumer of my product, are you in any way confused about what you're buying? So I, I, as the brand and the manufacturing company, I have to describe, this is an old pocket watch that we've refurbished and turned into a wristwatch. As long as I describe that well enough that you understand what you're buying, then that's okay in the eyes of trademark law and the government and all that kind of stuff um but it was one of the judges she said it was an interesting case and you never want to be the defendant in an interesting case because it's very expensive to defend yourself
0: and you were the defendant right like that's yeah
1: yeah okay. we were de- they they came after us they said you can't use the hamilton brand to make watches and we said well technically we're not it's it's the old thing it's a hundred years ago and it, it became a really interesting conversation and unfortunately a, a federal lawsuit that cost us a lot of money. Uh-huh. But, but fortunately, you know, we won. And now we've set that precedent. So not only can we take any pocket watch and turn it into wristwatch, with, regardless of what brand is, we, we could take a Rolex pocket watch, turn it into wristwatch. That's okay. Really? No way. Yep. Yeah, totally yeah. fine now. Um, it is now, <laughs> you know, because we, we have the, the ruling. Basically, as soon as the the federal judge brought the hammer down and said, Vortec watch company wins, Swatch group loses, um it was now legal to upcycle any pocket watch and there's really interesting um there's really interesting ties to this into different different industries and different things like you know if if you want to take a if you found an old an old pocket watch that had the Coca-Cola brand on it or if you found an old piece of or if you found like an old Coca-Cola you know bottle cap and you wanted to turn that into a watch or turn that into a piece of jewelry or I don't right. know something like that. That is now okay. Um, so we we basically defended the art of upcycling. If that makes sense.
0: Yeah, yeah. RT, so that must have been a very like difficult, stressful, um, challenging time. And all, all like I can only imagine like uh, yeah, being young and having to you know defend yourself in a court. And like if you don't win, there might be you might have to pay a bunch of money. Were you uh? Like what do you what do you think helped you overcome that difficult time? I, I guess like in the podcast we like talking about these stories of people like overcoming adversity, right? Like Yeah. What uh was it you know you just had no choice there or like you know if you you, you guys saw like the what could happen like the company could go bust because of that? Like how did how did that happen?
1: Yeah, we almost went out of business at least 3 times. Um I had a lot of hard conversations with my business partner, with my family, with our investors. Um, With our attorneys, we went through three different attorneys trying to defend us and go, I mean, it was six years long, hundreds of thousands of dollars that we spent defending ourselves. And um, the answer to your question, I I talk about this a lot. I think the difference between a true entrepreneur and someone who's, you know, just masquerading as an entrepreneur, I think true entrepreneurs have really high risk tolerance. So I, for whatever reason, I think entrepreneurs, the really good ones, they don't think about the risk. They don't think about the what-ifs. They don't let themselves dwell in that negativity. And they surround themselves with other entrepreneurs that feel and think the same way. So the people that told me I should give up, I cut out of my life, or I tried not to spend much time with them because I didn't agree with their opinion and their opinion was really negative. The people that told me we should keep fighting Like most of our customers and our attorneys and things like that, and some of my close friends and family, you know, I'm still friends with them. I still spend time with them because they saw it from my lens. And I just never let myself think about like what happens if we give up, what happens if we lose, what happens if, I mean, I would have lost everything. I would have had to file bankruptcy. We would have lost the company. Um, It would have massively impacted my life and my family. Um, And we almost did that several times. But i never dwelled on that i always thought about the positive side of not only defending my american dream and fighting for this this i think worthy cause but also you know it was much bigger than watches like we talked about we defended the art of upcycling so this is this is a case now that you know i've had i've had people in law school come up to me and say hey i read about you in my textbook you know like (laughs) holy shit like that's so cool um Obviously, like I didn't think that would happen. You can't plan on just winning the whole time, but I just have, and I think really, I think a lot of my entrepreneurial friends that I get along with, I have really good and really high risk tolerance, and I'm just not worried about those what ifs. Um, and I think people that dwell on the what ifs, you know, they just yeah. aren't made to be entrepreneurs, and they're they're living in that negativity and that scarcity, and that's not going to work out
0: yeah i I mean entrepreneurship is risky and i think a lot of people don't necessarily know why it's risky right it's not not necessarily they could be attacked by you know some existing conglomerate or company but i feel like it's risky because not only is like your it's like your personal life is like on hold or on, on the line because of uh you know depends on how much you can sell right or like yeah um, at least you know the startups they they always do it differently right like where they get innovation funding or like venture venture funding and they don't necessarily have the sales to you know show and which i like about you guys right because um physical products you can definitely see what exists like post the software it's just if you're not an engineer you probably hard I, I probably i don't hardly i hardly understand <laughs> what the heck right. that is that they created But with you rt like because uh you know you guys are a watch company did you uh what what made you believe in the idea more was it just you were able to sell this and people told you this is really cool or like what you know because like at at the beginning like everybody believes in their idea and they'll tell you you know expletives because they have so much belief and right like they don't you know you know they don't want to adapt your side of the story which is an opinion what uh what gave you that belief was it you were selling these watches all all day and night or like you know what what what,
1: what yeah so um I talked to probably our first 300 customers one-on-one. I, I called them and I talked to them. And, and then I still today go to trade shows and events and I, I talk to as many customers as I can one-on-one in person. And from the very beginning of this company, the customers and even the people that couldn't afford it or you know um, it wasn't the right time for them to buy Every single person I talked to, they were just like, this is the coolest thing I've ever seen. And they just wanted to like ask me so many questions. Like, how'd you like You're you're asking, how'd you get this idea? How do you find the pocket watches? Where do these pocket watches come from? Like there's so many stories that come from the the old pocket watch companies a hundred years ago, like whether you're interested in American history, American made, manufacturing, how it's made. Or the entrepreneurial story from me and Tyler starting this company, just every single customer was a super fan. They were just a, they were, they, they loved the product. They loved the company. They loved the story. And for the first five years of our business, I went back and I did the math. 60% of our customers purchased a second watch within 12 months of purchasing their first watch. And when I tell that to other people in the watch industry and other people selling, especially things that are their value bar, my average purchase price last year was four thousand dollars. So it's not inexpensive. Most people are like, "Oh, that's just crazy!" You know, that repeat purchase for something you don't need—that's not a subscription—that's a luxury product. Um, most of those customers were like, Hey, you should really increase your prices and charge more because this thing is amazing. But like, let me buy another one first. <laughs> and I just I heard that and I hear that all the time, every day from all these people. And I just every time we had a hard conversation about the lawsuit or about finance or, you know, with an investor and you know, stuff like that, I just thought back to like I'm not doing this for me. I'm not doing this for the money. I love that validation of every single customer saying this is the coolest thing I've ever had. I want another one. (laughs) So, so that's, that's where it came from for me. And, you know, for me, it's, it's external validation is, is what I'm seeking. And that's why I like doing these podcasts. That's why I like telling our story and things like that. I'm sure everybody has their own way that they're motivated. Um, but that's how I'm motivated. And, um, I think that's another thing you really have to like learn about yourself is like, are you introverted? Are you extroverted? How are you motivated? Where do you get your motivation? You know, those things. Cause a lot of entrepreneurs, we think we're motivated by money, especially when we start out, we're like, yeah, I want to grow a company. I want to be like Elon and be worth billions of dollars and all this stuff. That's not realistic. You know, that I've, now that I've been doing this for 10 years, I still don't make that much money. I mean, I'm good, you know, and we're, we're a healthy business, but like, every time I think back, I'm like, well, if I was doing this for the money, I should be doing something totally different. Right. 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 (laughs) I I could go work for a big company and make three times what I make right now personally. Um, So that's not why I'm doing it. Why am I doing it? And it's, you know, in, in, in hindsight, it's, it's that it's the, the customers just saying all these amazing things. And I feel like if we stopped or we went out of business, those customers wouldn't be able to get what they want. um, (laughs) Yeah. That's that.
0: Did you guys, Ever had like a physical brick and mortar store or was this just purely e-commerce?
1: Yeah, pre-pandemic, we were in, let's see, five or six retail stores, like jewelry stores and um, high-end retail stores. Um, When the pandemic hit, we bought all our inventory back because we were selling it um, direct to consumer really well. And we're starting to get back into stores now. I'm talking to a store in Denver, a store in Chicago, um, strategic locations that make sense. And then we have a manufacturing facility here in Fort Collins, Colorado, which is the only place in the United States that you can see a wristwatch manufactured from start to finish. In other words, you have to fly to Switzerland. So um, we have 8,000 square feet here and we have we don't necessarily have a retail space, but like it's a really cool building and you can come and <laughs> do a tour and we we have uh it's watches.com slash tour you can schedule a tour and
0: oh i see it right here yeah
1: yeah yeah, and you can see uh you can see how a watch is made and we're we're about an hour north of the denver airport so if anyone's uh, yeah. in colorado or you want to come and and see a watch get made you know everybody's yeah. welcome all
0: time <laughs> congrats congrats the nuggets by the way you' are a fan of the denver nuggets right? <laughs> just yeah, i don't
1: I don't follow them but i you know obviously when uh when stuff like that happens in your state it's uh it's exciting and yeah, there's huge parties in denver uh, last few days, so it's pretty cool. I,
0: I've never been to Colorado i gotta go, go one of these days when you uh beautiful when you uh, were beginning the company did you think that Colorado was the right place to do it I don't know like did you did you find that you needed to be in a certain location or do you 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 know, you know it it was matter?
1: It was more of a, I moved here for my corporate job. And then Tyler was thinking about moving to Colorado just because he thought it sounded, it sounded cool, sounded like a nice place to live. And so he came out after I moved here, he came out and visited me and decided to stay. And then we decided to start the company here. And, you know, now we have manufacturing here and I have a family, you know, like we both have houses like that now we, we kind of have roots here. Um And there's, you know, Colorado is a great place to start a business. There's a lot of entrepreneurship here. There's a lot of great people here. Obviously, like it would have been easier to raise money if I was in California or New York or something like that. Um, And manufacturing labor is cheaper in in the South, especially like Texas and Arizona and things like that. Um, But we're so specialized. I mean, there's only a handful of watch companies in the United States, and we're the only ones that do what we do. And so um, we mostly import most of our talent. So pretty much everyone that works for me has come from another state or another part of the world. Um, And Fort Collins, especially, is just a really nice place to live. It's sunny here over 300 days a year.
0: I got to go see that, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, So it's just, it's
1: it's always sunny. It's sunny again today, not a cloud in the sky. And um, that to me is... You know, it just puts a smile on your face when you walk outside and it's sunshine. That's Um, true, man. Yeah. So I I love that. It's a great place to raise a family. I got two little kids. So um, for me, that's why I love Colorado. Plus, it's really easy to travel. The Denver airport, uh, most people don't realize it's the third largest airport in the world. Really? So I can fly, you know, anywhere that I want within, it's a 58 minute drive from my house to the Denver airport. So I love
0: that. Do you guys have a turbulence mo- like landing? Down- oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, yeah. That's the one negative. That's the one negative. Yeah, because I mean, the, yep, <laughs> yeah, the
1: airports, I mean, the airport's far enough from the mountains, mountains that it's, it's, it's in the flat lands. But like the way the air comes over the mountains, um, I mean, it's beautiful. Like the view out of the airplane. And like if I look west right now, there's some of the, you know, the Rocky Mountains. It's gorgeous. Um, but yeah, it's especially this time of year in the springtime, uh, the way the air hits the airplane, it's, it's typically pretty bumpy, um, bumpy on, on the on the landing um most of the time yeah, yeah I, f-
0: I flew to uh, Salt Lake City one time and I was like this is insane Salt Lake City is the that... same.
1: yep yeah I fly a lot I love flying it's, it's my favorite thing I love traveling um and so I'm used to it but um yeah especially when I travel with people that haven't traveled very much I'm like yeah you know
0: prepare yourself hang on <laughs> <laughs> dude yeah <I> <laughs> it's crazy right like what is it called that that above sea level like, yes yeah. to people yeah area. i'm
1: sitting at about a mile high right now um which which is interesting i i play golf and so when i go down to to sea level and i and i play golf you you don't hit the ball as far really um yep yeah, you can you can also like work out harder because there's more oxygen um at sea level and so every time i travel i feel like you know <laughs> better especially when i'm working out man that's um, cool but yeah there's you know there's some weird things about colorado like that but um i love it and there's uh, the people here also just so nice which again i think is the sunshine if it's sunny out every day people don't have a reason to be sad
0: you're right <laughs> dude yeah I to, got to invest in that well, yeah. one thing i want to learn from you rt is like how did uh mr wonderful come across you know or how did he did you guys sell it to him directly or like did you, you know did he uh Find find it just as an average consumer. Like what was that like? Yeah,
1: so uh, it's a good question. So I I love product placement. I love working with people like that and trying to figure out how to get a watch on you know famous people. We've we've been on you know Kevin O'Leary from Shark Tank, uh, John Krasinski and Jack Ryan, a bunch of really cool stuff like that. And um, Mr. Wonderful specifically, um, I was networking here in the Denver area with some other entrepreneurs. And one of my friends who I, I had been on a podcast with and we had just connected. He knew all about watches. He knew all about my watch company and all that stuff. His name's Anthony. He runs a company called MC squares and he was on season 12 of shark tank. He pitched to the sharks and Mr. Wonderful invested in his company on shark tank. He, he won, you know, shark tank, which is very, very hard to (laughs) do. Oh yeah. You know, Yeah, yeah, true. And, um, and I, you know, I think typical Mr. Wonderful. I think it was a royalty deal or something. You know, it was a really cool episode. Anyway, Anthony called me and he said, "Hey, I want to make, I want to buy a watch for Kevin O'Leary as a gift to say thank you for investing in my company." And I was just like, "Wow, I'm so like I'm honored, like awesome. How does this work? You know, like how do you how do I send a watch to this famous person?" And he was like, "Well." <laughs> two problems. One, it's got to be a red band because Mr. Wonderful only wears watches with bright red straps on them. Um, And we didn't have that typically. And then two, it's got to be delivered within 48 hours to the Venetian hotel in Las Vegas. Oh, shit. 13. (laughs) I think it was season 13. And they start filming on Monday or something like that. And so I was like, okay, well, Let's go. So, we like the whole team here. We got together, like, all right, how do we get a red strap and how do we ship it? We figured it out. We wrote him a handwritten letter. We said, um, this is a gift from Anthony. You know, um, thanks for investing in in MC Squares. Um, Here's everything you need to know about Vortec Watch Company. We take old pocket watches, tournament wrist watches, everything that he would need to know in one little letter. And we sent him a sticker and stuff like that, too. And um, months later, we didn't hear anything. Months later, um, a video comes out on YouTube. where um producer michael was interviewing uh kevin o'leary about his watch collection and some of the newest watches he got and kevin pulls out his Vortic watch pulls out the (laughs) letter that we wrote and reads the letter on youtube and it just is gushing about how cool this watch is how well it worked on tv he wore it for the first like two or three episodes of season 13 on shark tank and he just loves this watch and it was the watch that they talked about right before the Vortic watch, they were like, "This watch is really cool, blah blah." It's valued at one point two million dollars, and then they pull out the Vortic watch, and he didn't once say how expensive it was, because um, it was a gift, so he did, he probably doesn't even know. And um, we got, I mean, daily we get people coming to our website saying, "Like, am I in the right place?" Because like I saw this video from Kevin O'Leary, and like these watches are only a few thousand dollars, and like. I don't think like what you know. Oh yeah. Oh so it was just this really cool thing that that happened and now that I think that YouTube video has two million views. Oh okay. the part about Vortec is the most watched on on that video. And so we yeah, we've um we've gotten so much benefit from that. And um yeah, long story short, it was just a gift from one of his, you know, companies that he invested in. And I happened to be in the right place at the right time, and I think that's It just goes to show it's it's all about who you know and and (laughs) networking is really important and you know at one point I made a good impression with that that Anthony guy and here we are
0: did you uh did he ever call you guys and say like oh these watches are awesome or like anything yeah I've
1: I've connected with his publisher um, or publicist um she's like his right hand and um she she said he loves a watch, um, and we're, we're talking to her now about uh, making him another watch because, you know, um, obviously just great publicity. And um, people that like Shark Tank like physical products. They like entrepreneurs, and a lot of our, our yeah. customers are entrepreneurs. So it's a really good, um, really good connection.
0: What, uh, what was it, RT, like from you, like that made uh, starting this company difficult? I know we talk about that, that. When it came to making watches, like was it, you know, mm-hmm as an entrepreneur who starts off with this was it like finding the wrist straps or like was it like the bands or like you know was it raising money first or you know you need a certain amount of cash to be able to i would say like just have the company set like its product sell itself and have it sustain itself like that or was it you know just the mix of like your personal challenges because you know this is so hard to i would say so hard to sell but maybe just hard to you know get off the ground and uh you know I mean it was
1: a lot of those things um I'll say the same thing that that all entrepreneurs that have raised money will say which is when I raised money the first time I should have raised a lot more uh-huh. um so I've I've done three rounds of funding I should have done one and I should have just raised you know a million dollars right away instead of a quarter million and then half a million you know what I mean so um I should have done that in hindsight but It would have taken, I mean, it's taken eight or nine years at this point to build the company to the point that we're at, to now be really sustainable and profitable and and healthy. And the reason for that is actually um, what's called the skilled labor gap or the skilled trade gap. And there are not enough people in this world that know how to work on a watch. Uh Um, and inside a watch, a luxury wristwatch or a mechanical watch, most modern watches are automatic. So they have that rotor in the back that winds as you move your wrist. Um, obviously cheaper watches have batteries and they're easy, but like the, the expensive watches that we work with and we work on, it's a mechanical movement. There's 200 parts in there that you have to know which part is what, and what does what, and a watchmaker, is really hard to find. There are not many watchmakers in the world. And most watchmakers, I think the average age of a watchmaker in like America, is <laughs> Yeah, it's like 60 something. Yeah, maybe closer to 70. And so um, that was really the hardest thing is to find people to help us do the work, especially restoring the antique pocket watches. I can find plenty of pocket watches because no one else really does what we do. We're only making a few hundred watches a year these old companies a hundred years ago, they made thousands of pocket watches. So I can find the best pocket watches in the world, but I'm not a watchmaker. I'm just an engineer. So like Tyler and I figured out how to make the case and the crown, all the outside parts. Like that was a little easier. It's still hard, but like easier in theory, but finding watchmakers to restore the old pocket watches and do the upcycling and then do after sales service and repairs and all that stuff. It's almost impossible. And so that's been our Achilles heel for a long time. And um, now there's, there's two watchmakers through this wall next to me. Um, We have one coming in tomorrow to interview now, now that we've built a brand and we have a really cool facility here in Colorado, it's become a lot easier to recruit good talent. Um, But there's still not very many watchmakers. So, (laughs) um, so one of the things that we do from this watch is we, uh, we donate to a school for watchmakers and there's a, there's a school in um, Delaware called the veterans watchmaker initiative. And they teach US military veterans how to become watchmakers. And it's just like the best nonprofit I could find. And obviously just a stellar thing to partner with. Um, and they're just really good people. And and so um we donate to that school and we're trying to solve that problem and create more watchmakers.
0: Yeah, I guess like, you know, the e-commerce game, like marketing is pretty important, right? Oh, it's one of the most important things to work selling, and that's not only that's not only paying money for ads, right? Like that's also like personal marketing or like that's also just different types of content and like organic and like e-commerce and like i know i saw a reel that you did about um email marketing which was i found pretty pretty good or you know just really liked rt when you were just beginning or like when you were learning the marketing stuff what did you find that you learned that that worked or like what did what did you become good at as a marketer because uh as an entrepreneur, they have to do like all these different hats, right? Like, and marketing's kind of—if you could get marketing right, like that generates the demand and makes life easier. Yeah, one
1: hundred percent. So, um, I see marketing as like a like a funnel, um, as far as like things that are easy to do and expensive and valuable. So, at the at the top, um, there's branding, and then underneath that, there's marketing. Underneath that, there's advertising, and underneath that, there's sales, right? If you're really good at branding, then you don't need to do a whole lot of marketing, advertising, or sales. Apple, Coca-Cola, for instance, right? <laughs> right they just right. Apple just puts the Apple logo and a phone on a billboard and we're all just like, oh my God, and we go buy it, right? Coca-Cola just puts their logo on things, we're like, man, I need a Coke right now. Um, that's branding. They don't need to do a whole lot of marketing. They do almost no advertising and they have no salespeople, right? That's just not a thing. Um, branding is hard and it's expensive and it takes a hundred years. Like in the example of Coca-Cola, Rolex is another really good one, right? Rolex has their brand everywhere. Um, Marketing is something that if you're really good at marketing, you don't need to do a whole lot of advertising. And I realized that early on where we had this and we were building this really good brand. We've never run a whole lot of advertising, like digital marketing, like paid traffic, things like that. And we've never had a salesperson, never. Our, our website is the salesperson. You go to the website, if you like it, you buy it, right? Um, so to me, good marketing is just making a really good product and talking about it, telling people about it, and then hopefully creating some groundswell or some, some people that will go talk about it. I think most of the best marketing we've done is word of mouth and the only way to get other people to talk about you is to put your product first make a really good product and provide really good service like just next level customer service you have to build a product that's worth talking about and then once it's worth talking about other people do those advertising and sales for you and within that i would say it's really important to find something that you're good at and pick one vertical if you're going to do advertising or sales do one thing and learn and go deep on it learn everything about it and for me that's email marketing so email marketing is probably the best form of like advertising and marketing that we do um it really hits all of them you know branding marketing advertising and sales but um i've grown since 2018 when i started really focusing on email marketing. I've grown our list from about 3,000 people at that point to over 40,000 people now, and every time we send our weekly email, somewhere between five and ten thousand people open that email and read that email, and pretty much every time we send that email, we sell watches, and it's because we make new and different watches every week, and so I have something new to talk about every single week. Um, I also make YouTube videos that I include in those emails and so people stay on the list to see what's going on and see what our new watches look like and hear from from me and Tyler on what we're doing next. And um, it's it's the thing that like if somebody asks like how do I follow along or <laughs> how do I lo- how do I know you know what you're doing next? I say, hey, you know what you can follow us on Instagram. social media is fine. but like just hop yeah. on our email list. It's really easy. I send really cool emails. It's just pictures of watches. if you like watches, just sign up. And um,
0: you can unsubscribe at any time. You, and you Mailchimp great. is what you use, or you use something else you made. Another? I use Clavio.
1: Yeah, Clavio. Yeah. So down. if if you are a Shopify based business, which we are, yeah. you have to use Clavio. It is the best. Shopify is the best in the website game. Clavio is the best in in the email marketing game, and they play nice together. Shopify actually invested in Clavio over a hundred million dollars. Really, so they, lot <laughs> they have a strategic partnership. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I can't can't say enough about Klaviyo. It's, it's it's awesome. And um, yeah, we love it. And especially, especially when you have a list of that size, when you're just starting out MailChimp or something else is fine.
0: You know, I would say as soon as
1: you get 1000s of people on your list, then you want to start doing some more
0: interesting stuff. Yeah, man, I'm in the podcast game. So I know marketing and advertising is a really big pillar in the world. You know, it's like you don't really realize that as a consumer, because You're just a consumer, but just looking at like ad spend of like um YouTube's revenue or or Googles or TikTok and all these things. Uh RT, I guess just like a personal marketing question for you is um what uh like uh when it comes to marketing, I guess like you run a watch company, what uh you know, what what do you do you think like that in general, it's better to just have that targeted customer via emails, or do you think it's just spending on ads? I think in the conversation you're talking about that brand and then the marketing and then something else that was underneath marketing, or advertising, marketing the advertising, right? But like, what, what for sales, you? Yeah. Oh, marketing and sales. An entrepreneur who has like a new business should work on most. Is it? You think if they're in the B two C world or in the they're just a new business? Do you think that they need to put more money towards advertising or just organic. If I, content? if I was just getting started
1: and and this is what I do. So for my fast foundations mastermind, I tell everybody to start like this. Like if you're just starting out or you're within the first year of business, go read building a story brand by Don Miller and clarify your message. That's the number one thing. So marketing, advertising, sales, branding, none of it matters if nobody knows what you do. Yeah. So um, <laughs> what well, I've, I've taught a few classes on this in our mastermind. I've done a couple like webinars on it. Um, and I call it the, I mean, well, it's, it's known as the elevator pitch. You have to have a really stellar elevator pitch and I'll, I'll give you an example. So Vortec watch company salvages and restores antique American pocket watches, turning them into one of a kind wristwatches, preserving American history. One watch at a time. You can learn more at Vortecwatches.com. That's my elevator pitch. I can say I've said that, phrase, yeah, that, those, those four <laughs> sentences. I've said that tens of thousands of times. And it's very clear on what we do. We take old pocket watches, we turn them into wristwatches, right? It's very clear on where to go to learn more. And it has a little bit of mystery in it. I'm not telling you everything. I didn't tell you how much do they cost. I didn't tell you what they look like because it's hard to do. And so there's enough mystery in my elevator pitch and my, my brand story and my message that you want to go to vortekwatches.com and just see one. You know, you're just like, oh, how much are they? Oh, where do they get the pocket watches? Oh, there's there's some of those questions. So I decided to focus on that after reading uh, Building a Story Brand and clarifying my my message and our message. Also, that book helps you clarify the message that you have on your website, your landing pages, and your ads. So if you go to vorticwatches.com right now, you see on our homepage, it literally says who we are, what we yeah. do, and how to buy it. Like it says those words and then a little paragraph and then a button. (laughs) And it's and it's all at the top of the website. So you don't have to scroll very much. You don't have to do many things. Just that's what we do, right? Um, you have to treat people and talk to people like they're five years old. And I I have a four-year-old and a six year old, six year old. So like I know how like I know how to articulate to them to say, like, no, I, I need you to do this right now. And um, and it's true, like you you have to you have to simplify and clarify your message otherwise sales marketing advertising it's just all your time is wasted if nobody knows what and understands what you do so that's number one clarify your message building story brand best way to do that number two is once you have a clarified message go find super fans and there's a book by pat flynn called super fans
0: excellent I heard book. Him, yeah yeah
1: so pat flynn is awesome just brilliant youtuber um and super fans is a concept that's like instead of trying to go sell watches instead of trying to go you know find customers i'm going to try to build a brand that creates fans so whether they own a watch or not they talk about vortec watch company like once or twice a week for no for no reason other than like they just like what we do they're like hey did you get the email from vortec this week did you see their they got a watch on kevin o'leary like that's so cool you know like we come up in conversations with our fans. A lot of those people are customers and they, they're wearing a watch and so they're reminded of us. And um, there's a million ways to, to do that. But if you go out and you just try to make money, you're going to fail. If you go out and you just try to sell watches, like if I just said, hey, I, I'm selling you this watch, I might make some sales, but I wouldn't have a brand that has a following that people are talking about. And so if you set out to build super fans and build a following of people that really care and want to follow along and want to stay subscribed to your email list for years, which I have yeah. thousands of people that, have, that get an email from me every week for years, then you have to set out with that in mind. And that's if I had to start over or if I was starting a new company, I would focus less on making money in sales and focus more on clarifying my message and figuring out how to get a following of fans that care and will share.
0: Yeah. yeah. RT, was that, was that difficult for you at all? Like, I mean, maybe people aren't natural, like uh, behind the camera or maybe they're more shy. You know, we talk about personalities, like maybe an introverted and all that, like for you, um, I guess email marketing is not necessarily that, right. But like for you getting those people on the list and like just having good SEO or just good people to, champion the brand or the watches for you like what did you um think of that whole experience just because um yeah definitely you know you need to be patient right like-
1: yeah well it's it's you definitely need to be patient and and you you got you have to figure out what you like and what you're good at right so um for me when we started email marketing i you know that was that was when a lot of people were starting on tiktok and and a lot of that kind of stuff and i felt uncomfortable putting my face on camera i wasn't in a good spot in my life to do that i i didn't i didn't know what i know now about personal branding and all that kind of stuff and how beneficial it is and i wasn't as articulate as i am i hadn't had the practice on podcasts and stuff and so i was just like well i can write an email I'm good at typing. I'm good at writing. You know, I'm a good storyteller. I can find a few cool images to drop in there and hit send. Um, and and the most important thing of of email marketing for me was was just being consistent and doing it same day, same time every week for years. Tuesday afternoon for years is what we did. Switched to Thursday afternoons and Friday mornings now, but um, it doesn't really matter. It's just you, you have to do it every week at the same time um, and be really consistent. But like if you want if you're a good writer and you don't feel comfortable putting your face on things in social media then yeah. blogs are great and email marketing is great right wonderful I like that. yeah yeah um if you don't like to write you don't like to type you hate email you hate blogging like that all sounds terrible to you and you're okay turning your camera around and putting yourself on video social media is for you like post every day on Instagram or TikTok or both Right, that's that you you will grow if you do it consistently, um, and you'll you know your first video is going to suck, your second video will suck less, and your fiftieth video is going to be awesome. So you just got to do that. Um, YouTube I, is is if I was starting over and I was putting my face and everything, I would I would pump out YouTube videos. Um, you also don't have to put your face on videos. If you're making a physical product or if you're making a software, yeah, you can do the voiceovers. <laughs> voiceovers, you can hire somebody voiceover. I mean with AI, you can just like do it. Like there's just nothing stopping you from making videos. Video content is the the future, I think. Um and I that's why I like YouTube the most. But um but yeah, you know, and, and then once you feel comfortable speaking, um I, I really like doing podcasts like this and podcast tours. Because I like the concept um and I get this concept through email marketing too, but I'd rather be known well than well known.
0: I love that, man. That's a great point.
1: And it's, it's like, how do we go? De- like, people that are still listening to this, you know, we're 40 some minutes in or whatever. Yeah. Thank you for listening, right? Like, n- they know <laughs> both of us pretty well. Neither of us are like famous, but like, I'd rather have that depth of conversation with somebody. So if somebody's listening to this and they connect with me on Instagram, I'm RT Custer on Instagram, by the way. Shoot me a DM and tell me you liked this episode. Um, You already know my whole story. Like we can just start a conversation right off the bat. It's not like we're starting from scratch. And um, the people that open and read my email every week for years, they know me really well. I'd rather have that than have fame.
0: Yeah, man, I love that. So let's just reiterate. um, You'd rather be well known over known well, right? Like that's that's what you're saying.
1: I'd rather be known well. Than well known.
0: Oh, I wrote that wrong. <laughs> I wrote people. Well known. <laughs>
1: Basically, i'd I'd rather have deeper connections than um. I'd rather have it's the same same concept in friends too. Like having friends, yeah. Man. yeah. I'd rather have five really good friends than five thousand people that know me like just a tiny bit. You know that know of me, right? Um, that I'm barely friends with or connections, um, and. And I think there's a lot of people like that. And I think there's a lot of people that share that belief on, you know, Instagram and TikTok, where it's just like, it doesn't matter how many followers you have. Yeah. Like it matters how engaged your followers are, how much they really care. True that. Uh, true that. Deep
0: lessons here. <laughs> um, on start my Says podcast, we like to, uh, ask, uh, every entrepreneur we get here, like a couple final questions. Um, we'd like to start with, uh, first question being um rt if you could go back in time to a 20 year old rt what would you what would you be able to say or would you what would you want to say to yourself back then
1: buy apple and amazon stock
0: there we go yeah as <laughs> much as you possibly can <laughs> buy and hold baby <laughs> man yeah I, I, I saw that you know like on the on the um i guess like on max back in like 2009 you could do like that that widget thing and like there were just widgets on the side i was like oh, what what is this and like Yep. I was, yeah, I never figured that out until like I graduated school, but um one thing uh well, next question is um if you could uh have a dinner, you know, like how Warren Buffett has that annual he he uh, he auctions a dinner, but like if you could have a dinner with anyone I guess in the world that's alive right now, like uh, for business purposes or I don't even want to say that just in general, right? Like um it could be a family member, but like who who do you think you'd want it? have dinner with um
1: my my mind goes first to dwayne the rock johnson um i just he's such a cool inspirational entrepreneur and uh, seems like a great father you know just someone i could even if i spent 30 minutes over a lunch a quick lunch I'd, i feel like i'd learn a lot um plus i could probably get a watch on his wrist <laughs> That's a smart watch yeah
0: man um okay next question is uh let's see Um, what advice would you give to entrepreneurs right now who, you know, they're probably struggling uh, they're thinking of quitting, right? Maybe you were similar in that experience. Uh, What would you just, um, what would you say?
1: Um, Change your perspective by getting out of day to day and see what that does to your current situation. For me, when I'm having a hard time Or I'm trying to like I'm struggling to come up with a creative like a creative new idea, or I feel really stuck. I get on an airplane and I go somewhere big and like inspirational. Uh, For me, that's like Miami, New York, Las Vegas. You know, somewhere where you like you walk around and you realize, like Vegas, for instance. Yeah, you stand in a in a casino and you realize that like hundreds of millions of dollars being spent within. 100 yards of you. Um, and you feel so small, and your problems feel so small. It's like, ah, I didn't sell enough watches this month. Like, okay, like Steve Wynn had some problems, right? And Steve Wynn ba- built Las Vegas and all those big casinos, and he almost lost things every single time. And now he's a billionaire and he owns all that stuff. And a lot of that money <laughs> is going straight to him. Um, go stand in, the, in a different energy, get a different perspective you know, use your credit card points to, to book a nice room in a hotel. Don't get a cheap shitty room, get a nice (laughs) room, you know, like treat yourself just for like one day and zoom out and be like, am I working on the right thing? Am I thinking about this the right way? Um, What am I really meant to do? And, uh, and come back. And if nothing changes, then, you know, you're probably doing the right thing. You just were having a hard time and you just needed a break. Um, And if on that trip, you're like, yeah,
0: I'm, I'm not feeling this do something else, you know, it's fine. Very valuable advice. Uh, I love that, man. Last question, RT, is if you could articulate your own personal startup mindset, what would you say that it is?
1: Startup mindset. Um, Tyler and I, when we started Vortec and through the last 10 years, uh, we have said the phrase, we'll figure it out like a million times. And we joke about putting it on the wall and we probably should like in our <laughs> um, and I think that's, that's really my, my mindset is, is we'll figure it out. Like, I don't, I don't know the answer to your question right now. I don't know the, I don't know how to solve this, this problem right now. I don't know what tomorrow's going to look like, um, but we'll figure it out. You know, we're, we're not alone. I'm not alone. We've got a great team um, and we'll put our heads together and, We'll see the other side of this thing. We just need
0: to figure it out. RT, I like that, man. Yeah, no, I think you uh, have built a really cool company. And, you know, I'm only going to keep following. I'll be on that email list. <laughs> and, uh-huh. uh, yeah, it's, it's been awesome talking to you. I've got to check yeah. out one of these watches. Um, yeah, anything else that we, we didn't cover? Or like Anything you know, we could hammer home just in the last end of this?
1: No, that's it. I, I would say, um, if you want to connect with me, uh, obviously my, my two things are Vortec watches. So it's vortecwatches.com watches.com and then fast foundations mastermind, which is fastfoundations.com. Those are the, the two things that I, I'm focused on. And then, um, you know, I, I do best and I typically connect with people on Instagram. So it's at RT on Instagram, send me a DM, um, and ask all your questions. I love to help new entrepreneurs, people getting started or people with, you know, Even just like, how do I do this with email marketing? Happy to help. I love that stuff.
0: Hey, RT, thank you so much. It's been been a pleasure. And uh, yeah, I'm really glad we got a chance to talk today.
1: Right back at you.